Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. lively in the studio today so who knows what's going to go down but we're already having jokes and laughter i'd say the joy of the lord is our strength i'm wearing yellow today dr price oh you know what i think her pants are yellow i think her jacket is green prophet angela is in yellow today dr price said enlightenment i said it works we'll take it it absolutely works share with your friends tell them we're going live. We are live, and only God knows. I say this every week. Only the Lord knows where we're going to end up in the spirit realm, what depths of training and the truth are going to come forward. If you are a lover of the truth, then you love the Jesus and Paula show. So share with your friends. Tell them the woman of God is about to lay it down. Get your bells, your slap cloth. Your sip of coffee, uh, maybe your Kleenex. We talked about needing Kleenex here in the studio, okay? So maybe you need your box of Kleenex. And get ready. Strap in. Good morning. Good morning to all of you who are logging in. How you doing? How you doing? Share, tag, tell the world, tell a friend, share in somebody's messenger. Listen, if you don't know about this show, where have you been? And it's about time. (laughs) So many amazing things are rolling out behind the scenes here at the Embassy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Join us at the Congregation of the Mighty on Sundays online. If you're watching, whatever channel you're watching right now online, you can find us Sunday service or in the building in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so it's going to be live, fiery. We, we don't even know. We, we just, I don't even know. I, I didn't even get to peek at her PowerPoint today to see what might go down. Um, but get your notebooks. This is probably the most amazing free training you can ever get in life. And with all of that, it's still nothing compared to being here in person, especially for a conference. November 17th through the 20th this year is the total. Nope, we already had that is the New Era Apostleship Summit. We already had the prophetic event, my God. But if you are a prophet, come on back in November. If you're an apostle, if you're a part of any of the fivefold, you should be here. No, uh, June is not just for prophets, and November is just for apostles. It is for everyone. The emphasis shifts. But anyone and everyone can value the information and benefit from knowing that information. If you are under an apostle, then you certainly need to be here in November. Somebody, uh, a couple of somebody, several somebody's have been reaching out about when's the event, what's going on. So right now we're going to take a quick 60-second, I think, I think it's 60-second commercial, let you know how you can find out more about this year's Apostolic Summit.
All right, be here November 17th through the 20th. As you can see, it's going to be fire. Every year, where we are, what we face, taking the lead at the summit, there will be some sort of particular emphasis uh, and theme for this event. But let me tell you something. If you know Dr. Price, people are like, I don't care what the theme is. I'm coming. (laughs) Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be good, and I'm going to show up. You can register. You can see on there. Go to drpaulaaprice.com to the events page. We're going to have something right on the home page as well to direct you right to the event registration pages. And uh, you can click on there. And see the ticket prices are listed, uh, group rates, early bird, buy one, get one free, buy one, get one half off. If you are a member of NEAR, Price University, Congregation of the Mighty, then there is some kind of a discount available for you. You want to take advantage of that. You also want to register for the Dignitaries Dinner, which is Wednesday the 17th in the evening. It kicks off. Um, oh, you know what? That is actually a separate fee. And I need to change how that is in the registration. Don't register for that today. You can register for that later on today, <laughs> okay? For the Dignitaries Dinner, uh, Dr. Price is, I think she's nailed down who's going to be our keynote speaker. Last year was Apostle Howard Hatcher. Woo! Powerful, powerful dinner uh, keynote speaker. Perfect for us coming into our new facility, Janice Pons ministered with music as well, the one and only, the one and only Janice. And so it was a powerful time. You want to make it your business to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is an in-person conference only. Yes, we're we're still going against the grain. In-person only because there are people who press. They spend spend all kind of money to get here. And you don't want to be that person who spends a couple thousand dollars to get here and then somebody can just pay like forty nine and ninety nine and get the whole thing for that much, which is almost free. We're not doing that. All right. Uh, okay. And also, just this quick other quick promo, if you don't know Dr. Price, who has already been podcasting with Charisma Podcast Network, uh, we want you to make sure that you are subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Google uh, or what is it, Google Play or iTunes or whatever the list is that shows up in the end or right from the Charisma Podcast Network site where you can download these uh, podcasts that she does. They are fantastic. And so we're just going to give you a quick reminder of how to do that. I don't know about you, but I just feel like playing a game of Pac-Man every time I hear that (laughs) music live. We need to go play a game. So tune in, stay connected with Dr. Price and her podcast. Download those. They change your life. Everything that comes out of this apostle's mouth truly changes your life. If you don't want to be changed, then you really should not be under an apostle. And that's just the truth of it. I'm talking about a bona fide, genuine apostle. Oh, you know what we don't have? Maybe you can download the, the flyer for August. We're in August, and we're going to be in Joliet, Illinois. And let me tell you what, the Eagles will be landing 
in Joliet. Chief Apostle, of course, is teaching with Apostle Nona Parker, Chief Prophet Tala Price, Prophet Angela Powers, will be laying it down up there, and so I'm preparing myself. It's nice to sometimes just sit and receive and not have to teach, so that's fantastic. Uh, and so I think she's going to be downloading that, and we'll pull it up later on, even if it's at the end, to, so you can register. If you're, going, if you're going to be in that area, Joliet, Illinois, driving, flying, however you get around, be there. You can get your round two of prophetic training if you weren't able to make it to Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, or if you did and you're like, I want more, then you can show up in Joliet. It starts on a Friday, ends on a Saturday, and it's a power-packed weekend. And we didn't get to go last year because last year was last year. That's all we have to say about last year. Last year was last year, and they're in Illinois, so say no more. So it was really last year. Uh, but this year is this year, and we're going up to lay it down. But if you don't want to be changed, you really should not be under an apostle. And sometimes we really don't understand and accept what it means to be changed. The Word talks about being transformed, being renewed, old man, new man. So throughout Scripture, we hear and see that common theme of you will not be the same. And then when you encounter an apostle, you certainly won't be the same. And so what happens is, this is how we get into trouble. We find somebody, let's just say like a Dr. Price or whomever you have found, like, oh, man, we of God, yes. We need to like you, you inspire us, and you go through all the drama, and you cry, and you pray positive, Lord. If I could just sit at their feet. My favorite phrase. They can just sit at their feet, and she's going to put that flyer up to show you if you want to sit at somebody's feet in August, you can. Enjoy it. <laughs> so we just, I just want to sit at your feet, Apostle, you know, prophet. And first of all, my feet aren't standing still. So I want you to understand sitting at my feet means running quickly. I have a quick step. There's a pep in my step. Anywhere I'm walking, I'm walking with purpose. If I'm going to get a tissue, it's with purpose. If I'm going to the restroom, it's most certainly with purpose. If I'm going to get, and so it's just like, so we have that phrase, and I know what the, the phrase means is that you're going to come and learn from somebody, shaking from Jesus, come and sit at his feet, not always working. I get that. However, <laughs> that's not the point of apostleship. It's for people to just come and rest at the feet of their leader. When you talk about being changed, a lot of times, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm talking about myself here, all right, a lot of times you think that being changed means you identifying what you don't like about you and improving it. So you go to somebody to improve what you have deemed as needing improvement. However, can somebody say however? However, when you sit under the legitimate mantles in the kingdom, the mantle, the mantle will work you over. And what it does is it points at those things that you want to stay hidden. No, 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 I didn't come for you to address that. I came for you to address this. I didn't come for you to talk about my shoes. I came for you to give me a platform to sing. I don't need, you know, don't pick up my sores. Believe me. And so when you come under those kind of leaders, it's very exposing, isn't it? I mean, it's like, whoa, because you don't realize that all seeing eye is seeing all of you. 
and the things that you have dubbed as off-limits, and we all have them, those off-limits areas in your soul, off-limit areas in your memories. Well, I don't let people touch that. And, you know, in your house, you can be a friendly dictator. Don't be soft-spoken to be the dictator, okay? It's the quiet one who, no, we're not doing that, okay? And because you think that because you have a soft tone in your voice that you're not actually strong-arming everybody in the home. <laughs> and so you use that to come into the house of the Lord under a leader. And, and you have reasons. Everybody has reasons, and many of them are very legitimate reasons. And so you come into the house, and you think that because you tell your apostle or you tell somebody else in a soft tone that you're not going to do something, or you prefer. I prefer. And if you came up under a heavy-handed parental situation, then you've learned to be soft in your rebellion, <laughs> but still rebellious, because you learned that being bold about it might get you whooped. So you learn to not rock the bow, not ruffle feathers, but still not obey or comply. <laughs> Dr. Price calls those the amiable rebels. And <laughs> in, in, in the ministry over the years, she said, oh, that's my amiable rebel over here. They don't think I know that they're not going to do anything I say because they're so soft in tone and polite. And many of us are refined, right, Prophet Angel, we're refined. And we came up the right way, especially when you were raised by parents who behavior was essential. And back in the day, everybody had behavior modification in the house, <laughs> okay, usually with the rod. <laughs> Over there, got the hand, the hand of fellowship, all right, the rod of, comp- uh, of correction, the beltway of order, all right, it's going to come out. I remember I think of my grandmother's house, the belt my grandfather you used to use on the kids, some fake I mean holes. I was like, you hit your children with that. But everybody did. <laughs> it was just, but I'll tell you what, I was speaking to my uncle this week about how we didn't have all that back talk. No, no, no. What, what you, did you, what? And so this generation has lost its mind because we have swung the pendulum the other way. And in the body of Christ, likewise, the same thing. And so it's like the people kind of rule and how you believe and feel. And I'm only going to yield so much. And the amiable rebel, the soft-spoken, smiling, always volunteering on their terms. Oh, good morning, Apostle Nona. Hey, we were just talking about you and your event. Thanks for tuning in to the broadcast. And so things are on your terms. And you don't realize that your submission is not really submission. It's selective volunteering. And I find that the more people say how accommodating they are, how amiable they are, how pleasant they are, then actually that's not really true. The more people have to tell you about themselves and how you should see them a certain way, many times that is just a cover. So you come into a house, which is run by a bona fide apostle or prophet or series of staff of, and this is when you really find out, did you actually mean it when you said, change me, Lord, remake me, Lord, renew me, Lord? Because maybe it was like, oh, I didn't mean all of me. I mean, that's that, you know, no trespassing part of me. We all have that no trespassing part. Don't talk to me about certain things. I mean, am I the only one who there are certain topics that you kind of go into an automatic defense system response? 
when it comes up, whether it's about you, about someone else. You cannot be objective about certain things because it's so sensitive to who you are. That is when it becomes the most challenging to really submit to the hand of God through the people that he has placed over your life. He'll use some random person on your job to give you some coffee station wisdom. And you're like, no, I'm trying to run from this subject. How is it that you are talking about it now on my job? I don't want to hear this. You'll, you'll, you'll be driving down the highway and see a billboard that says, obey. <laughs> and you're like, huh? There's a commercial that comes up on television on a channel you never watch. Obey. There's a new line of shoes called obey. I mean, it doesn't even matter. And everywhere you go, the Lord has spoken who can but prophesy. And he's prophesying to you through the media. He's prophesying to you through the birds. He's prophesying to you through some random kid in the store. Is going to tell you something that you don't want to hear. Because when you are marked for greatness, you can't escape. When you're, how, what we just learned again, was this last week we talked about Saul the donkeys? Wasn't that last week? Lord have mercy. Was that just a week ago? <laughs> what you say about Saul? God didn't put him through any training. Because it wasn't worth the investment. He changed his heart for kingship, but that's about it. And we saw how long that lasted. So I want to encourage you today. Whoever needs encouragement. If you are called to greatness, you cannot escape the microscope of God. You just can't. And, and the more you're coming up on your time to be prepared to be used, the more it seems like everything under the sun is finding you to pick at you. When I was coming into apostleship, everything, everyone had something to say, not even negatively. So I don't want to hear like every time somebody says something, it's negative because God will begin to affirm you. But before we get hooked on affirmation, he's going to deliver us, <laughs> clean us out, point some things out. There are those of you who have always get stopped at the same point in your life, no matter where you go, no matter what environment. You can't get past that certain peak. You plateau. And many times it's because you pull back. And God, in this season, he's like, look, for some of us, it's the last chance. You either submit now or we're done. And God's like, I'm off the hook. So you can leave me alone for the rest of your days. And for some of us, that some people are young in their 30s, and God is like, this is your last chance. You've blown every mentor. You've uh, vilified every person around you. We're done. That's it. And God's like, I've done my part. So... We're good because we preach the gospel, the God of a second chance. He's the God of a second chance. Ooh, who's around for the, oh, I don't know if anybody in this room was around for those sermons years ago. Dr. Price taught, were you around? You guys are around for that, that there are no second chances. <laughs> because you don't get a second chance to do the same thing. That opportunity is gone. There's a fresh start is what she taught us but not a second chance. And see, because you get messy when you think you'll have another chance to do this and another chance to do that, and we'll just hit the reset, oh, just hit the reset, or undo. We really act like there's an undo, a perpetual undo button in God, don't we? Oh, that was a mess, undo. That was a mistake, undo. I want you to know she's looking sharp today. When she gets on this camera, you're going to say it. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. She has that money green, that emerald green on today. Yes, that's the color of wealth. I feel it. 
salvation off of the prayers of the, the hem of your garment. Can I touch it? Okay. <laughs> she said, she said, no. She said, go on, go earn your own garment. She said, go, go by. I'm telling you, when you see, you're going to feel the wealth come through the camera and just be like, boom. All right. But we sow a seed. When you see the green, sow a seed. I like it. When you see the green. It's like, all right, when you see the color, when you see the rainbow colors, just so, uh, see, this is not going to be like the Lord when you see the blood pass on by. No, when you see the green today, just sow a seed early because you know you're going to give up some money for this. Hello? So why wait? Why wait? But we do. We walk around through the perpetual undo button and with our destiny, undo button, you know, cut and paste, copy, paste. Oh, let me just copy this person's life and paste it on top of mine. Let me undo this whole last season. Let me act like it didn't happen. Sometimes you just blow things straight up and you never go back and fix it. Sometimes you need to go back and fix it. Ask for forgiveness. So maybe you can't actually undo what you did, but you can at least go to that person or write them or email them or text them or whatnot because if they don't want to see you or if they're just inaccessible sometimes, then you have to do it another way and get the record straight with God. Because many of us right now are kind of being hung up by old mess and old things. It's true. Oh. 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 <laughs> Yeah, you got to get that right with God. And sometimes with the people, hello, family, hello. We have the apostles and the prophets tuning in today. Prior apostles and prophets tuning in today. <laughs> hello. Yes. I greet y'all. Yes. It's oh, when you see the green. Woo. So is he. Sugar pie, Jesus. I'm yeah. a yeah. <laughs> I'm for like three weeks. I'm going to have to reposition I'm going to, uh, you know. The giftings and calling. Is that a gift or is that a calling? That's a gift. Multiple well, gifts. Multiple gifts. gifts, and, gifts. Yeah. and they can, they can rotate they can, the function with. They can. Away. Yeah. You know, that's why you don't get anything else over there. Do you realize you have three pieces of stuff? Well, you that kind of doesn't really work. This is more like a. Well, that's you know, because you don't hit it like a bell. So you don't hit it like a bell. You're hitting it like a sun. We don't know what you're hitting it like. I'm going to give you some instruction. <laughs> and then you got the little green thing. Yeah, but this has a ring to it. Yeah, but you have you no. Know. <laughs> okay. You know, people stay with you for a couple of decades. They feel like <laughs> they eventually get a bell. <laughs> they feel like, okay, I've been here long enough. I should have something. Well, you know, I am excited about today. Uh, the Holy Ghost, the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys know him, right? Yeah. You know, big guy rolls off, unseen, and yet unavoidable. He's so very visible. So very, very physical, very literal. But I'm excited about this week because the Holy Spirit has been talking to me on this wise for a little bit. And so I just thought, well, um, yes, you know, Angela, the Holy Ghost is telling me, I'm coming down the hall, and the Holy Ghost says to tell you, 
Don't you ever back down. Don't give up. Now, I just want you to know the Lord is going to bless you with that miracle. And that miracle is coming very soon. And so we push back on the generation spirits of failure, delay, and distraction on your life. I break down this wall between you and the providences of God. And I, and I loose your inheritance as a prophet of the Most High God. You shall no longer struggle. That is not the will of God concerning you. But God said, get ready, because I am meeting your need. There is no way. You're kind of like the woman that God talked about, but you know that you've been faithful, and you've been faithful in that which is with I summon solutions for you. I call in answers. I command the, the, the angels and the spiritual forces that have been assigned to your ministry to go forth and get all your needs satisfied as the voice of the Lord, as the intercessor of the Holy Ghost. And God said, you know, Jerusalem, you will never have to cry in another night season about what I'm going to do for you as my voice. That says, that says the Holy Ghost. No more, no more. That unjust spirit that keeps robbing your provisions of a man to be abyss by the Holy Ghost. I break the assignment on your family tree. I break that DNA chain link that causes you to face hardship. I sever you from that in the natural. You've been severed in the spirit, but I sever you from that thing in the natural. From this day forward, you will walk in the fullness of the Godhead bodily and everything that comes with it, says the Lord Jesus Christ. My Bible tells me, but when a stronger man has come, that's what my scripture so I don't know about yours, but mine told me that this morning, last week, last month. I want you to know, and I'm telling you, see, I'm saying this because you see, we are in a warfare. And the Holy Ghost has said to me, that's why we're teaching on dunamite and we're teaching on miracles and we're teaching on breakthrough and we're teaching on the apocalyptic effect, the offspring of the children of God. You get it? As he is. Where? As he is. Where? What are we filled with? Where are we seated? In whom? Whose mind do we have? Hallelujah. Identity. The key to your destiny. See, the issue is we need to stand on our credentials. See, unbelievers and, uh, and fallen spirits think we don't know who we are. And until you can lock in to your credentials or lock in to your identity, then everything about this covenant, everything about this new birth, everything about this sovereign elect is a hit and miss affair. When you get to say this every day of your life, I am, no, no, don't, let me tell you, I don't let him go. Now when I come with you, because you know devils come because, well, they diligent too. So I just need to let them know I'm more diligent than they are, and I don't have an identity crisis. I don't have one. And so I, and I tell them that that's your thought. Take you and your thought and go to hell in Jesus' name. I send you and your thought. You sick, I'm not sick, you sick. Take you and your sickness. 
am filled with the fullness of the Godhead, bodily, hallelujah, and I say I have the mind in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being made in the form of God, in the form of man. So you realize that Christ in me is the hope of glory. And my hope is not a disappointing hope. So I'm telling you, if you ask me today how we're going to beat this thing, the first thing we're going to do is become who we are. And who are we? As he is in this world. I am exactly like Christ. I am designed for Christ. I am built for Christ. I'm a vehicle of Christ. I'm a vessel of the Holy Ghost. I'm a temple of Almighty God. I'm the right hand of God. I'm the glory of God bodily. I am God's sovereign. I'm apocalyptic elect. I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. Before you call your prayer, call your identity, because they might not have to listen to you. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? I don't have to listen to you. As a matter of fact, I can attack you for assuming you have authority over me, because you are one of my subjects. You either Satan's subject or his sovereign. You don't have too many options. I'm the sovereign. I'm the sovereign elect of God. I'm the offspring of the Godhead. I am born of the seed of Christ, even the incorruptible seed of Christ. I am the royal priesthood. I am a, a, literally a citizen of his uh, holy nation, and I am seated, and I am written in heaven with God. I will the same power God will in his world. I will it in this one. Say it every day. Say it when you get up. Say it when you go to sleep. Say it when you go in the shower. Say it when you get ready to eat. Say it when you rise out. Say it when you walk out. Say it when you come home. Say it until it starts saying you. You'll have days that you're better at it than others. That only means you need to step up a few things, add a few things, build a few things, strengthen some stuff. And, and you can't cherry pick when you want to be strong and when you want to be weak. So you all want that cherry pick. Y'all still in that orchard. Come out that orchard. <laughs> you know, like a little, you know, you know, pull something, she's fixing stuff. All right. And I glued it, too. I was so pleased. I glued it. You see how this is daughters. They just jump on in. You know, just pull this, yank this. I'm on camera. It doesn't matter. Think I'm just... <laughs> Does not matter. This is family. Are you sure? All right. Amen. And so, and, and see, I want you to understand, okay, how big you get. You still don't get too big, take care of mom. Never get too big, take care of mom. So y'all don't have to do it the way it is. I'm going to tell you, I'm saying to everybody who's listening, what is the word of the hour? Be what I birthed. That's the Holy Ghost. Be what I birthed. See, right now, you try to be Christian, you try to be churches, you're trying to be theologians, you're trying to be doctors, you're trying to be everything but the offspring of the Godhead, the sovereign elect of God, that which God has put in the planet to rule it for him. 
So you let religion talk you out of your redemption. Let me get some coffee because I'm a bit ready to bring up. It's something. You got the bell ringing. My Lord. I didn't ask you to buy the phone. I mean, yeah, I that was a whole jingle. Oh, you're filling in the time for me. Okay. But, but so I want you to understand, we are not a religion. We are the redeemed nation of Jesus Christ. And every apostle and prophet out there who is worth their salt, worth their title, better start saying it. Pull yourself out of the ranks of, the, of religion and get back over into your perch as the redeemed of the Lord. We are a nation of kings and priests to God. Devils want to downgrade that, but we are actual sovereigns and priests to God. If we don't call back our identity, we will have no strength to win this thing. We're going to have to move on who God made us, not on what Satan downgraded us to be. We're working in the downgrade right now. That's why y'all all running around scared of a bug. Now, if you're weak, you're weak. I just don't happen to be weak. My Bible said, be strong in the Lord. And then the power of his mind, that God has not given up the spirit of fear, but the spirit of what? Not love first. Did you know this power precedes love? Because you have that power to love. But but power, love, and what? So this here, terrorist, maniacal, bipolar, that's part of the downgrade. And Jesus shed his blood to upgrade us, to make us above only and not beneath. I just don't even, I don't even know if y'all got it. Y'all said it, because I just need you to understand. Because it's important that you understand. You cannot stand against the wiles of the enemy if you are weaker than him, if you are under his feet, if you are part of his corrosion, part of his degradation. We have been downward. I'm not because I never bought that. I was like, why in the world I want to get saved and be the same thing I was when I wasn't saved? You ever think about that? Like, so what's the point of the cross? Jesus could have stayed home. He was rolling big at home. He didn't have to come. He was rolling real big at home. You know, he, I'm the sovereign. I'm the, 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 the first begotten. I'm the only begotten. Until he got, rose from the dead, he was the only begotten. So he was an only child. Life was working for him. So why did he have to go and give all of that up if we are still going to be where we are? You understand that when your family elevates, you elevate. That's my brother. Is that not true? You elevate with the family tree. So if Jesus is seated in heavenly places, I'm elevated in him, with him. I'm telling you, I take full, and I mean full advantage because I take full acceptance of the fact that as he is, so am I in this world. What I need is wisdom. The difference between him and me is wisdom. He's the shot caller, and I obey the shot. Yeah, Talking about God to get a shot, get a shot of Jesus. <laughs> Come on here. Then you can vaccinate yourself against devil. <laughs> we need a devil back. 
That's what we need. Hamashiach. We need a devil back. So I'm going to tell you right now, I, I do not believe that Jesus Christ can control everything but a man-made bug. This is a man-made bug. I know it's a man-made bug. And so the case that I'm going to be the one to say it, I remember, I, you know, the Lord has been talking to me about John G. Lake, Jonathan Lake, some of you all remember. Go pull his book. Y'all need to read that and see how he handled the plague. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And that means, you know, the Bible says no weapon formed against us will profit. Profit didn't say it wouldn't form. It said it won't prosper. And you won't know how powerful you are until you defeat the weapons who think they're more powerful than you. You won't know how mighty we are in God. Mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Mighty. Mighty. Not might be. There are a lot of might be's in God, but I'm a mighty one. I'm part of God's mighty one. We, and, 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 and all these last 35 years, or, or for sure the last 25 of them, we've been talked into being everything that the world can get along with and that Satan can crush. Meanwhile, they're using, because you know when you leave a power void, something's going to get in it. And the church left the power boy because we all head for the hills in church. We took, we took shelter in a pew. I got to drink another sip of coffee. How y'all doing out there? Y'all all right? <laughs> Come all the way through. Baby, I'm coming through and I'm leaving nothing standing behind me. <laughs> I want you to understand that this is going to be a breakthrough followed by a teardown. See, sometimes we break through and we all they do is let us in and then they go, no, no. We are coming as the body of Christ, as the offspring of not the pew warmer, the Godhead bearer. We, bear, we carry the Godhead. I am a carrier of the Godhead. Are you kidding? Jesus rising me. You know, in Ezekiel, he rode on the cherubim. Right on, King Jesus. Right on. <laughs> right on. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I know. And I haven't, I haven't even gotten started. I'm just warming up. I'm ha- actually having coffee. <laughs> I'm actually having coffee. We're having a coffee break right now. Hallelujah. We're going to be working in a minute, but I want you to understand. Oh, honey, oh, no, this is some good stuff. Honey, this is good stuff. See, when you, you'll know when it works when you stop having to pray and wait and fast for the power. You notice I don't have to. The power of Christ in me is instantaneous because that's, what, that's what's waiting for you. Instantaneous. I don't have to hope. Well, Jesus, I don't know. Mm-mm. And I wait not do this to myself in the bed. I'm praying at night. Hey, I have my own little praise and crack my head. <laughs> I play my customs <laughs> I'm playing in the spirit. Yes, I am. Because it moves all the time. It doesn't stop. That is why Jesus said, somebody touch me with faith. Because faith is literally the conveyor belt of the Holy Ghost power. I'm going to tell 
Let me get all y'all listening. Y'all listening to me out there? Y'all need to get yourselves a bell and a, cl- and a slap club. I'm going to slap some. Hold on. Wait a minute. I've got a slap thing going on, too. Hold on. Woo. Okay. I got something that I'm slapping. Wait just a minute. I got a nice one. Well, it's not it's not green. That's all right. What's in the car? Still slaps. Yes. Just let you know it's in. This is your up, a pull, a stomp, hold, take, a back, king, a down, down, down. Terrible. Yay. Nobody like King Jesus. You know, but see, you got to love him to even learn from him. Because Jesus, if you don't love him, his words get on your nerves. You can't stand it. Like, oh, you start asking the Holy Spirit, stop talking to me, please. You cut off the, you shut off the channel. See, but that's all right. I got your, I got your little wire, too. I'll take everybody's wire who don't want to come on over here, Jesus. I want you to know, give him, he's going to have a massive cable. I'm a cable, baby. I'm not just a wire. I'm telling you. Look at her. She having fun with the online books. Y'all, are y'all writing me? Y'all should be writing me right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I got that. I got to put this out. Legislate today. In the heaven, in the earth, let it be. Never reverse. That's where I am. Now, that's how you do this thing. Been walking around, walking the floor, talking about, I don't know, wringing your hands. I ain't wringing my hands. I'm going to slap this corner. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I had a little Jesus for breakfast this morning, just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> I had a little Jesus for breakfast this morning. I'm all fired up. I can't even get going because I'm just, I'm having a, I'm, I'm just having a great time. Oh, tell you, sugar pot, Jesus, a honey man. Treat him like trash, and then you want him to heal you. Who is that? that and, and what world is that going to work? You can't even make somebody you can see take care of you after you made a man. How are you going to make somebody you can't see? I'm like, your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your boss, your friend, your sorority sister, your fraternity. You make them mad, they don't care. They watch you go down for the third time. And walk away. And then they'll tell you, it's your just deserved. And yet you treat Jesus worse than that. Talking about, I don't understand why he didn't take care of me. Did you take care of him? The man is reciprocal. He said, if you take, you know, you seek me, I'm going to seek you. You you help me, I'm going to help you. What did Deborah say? The curse? There was a city that didn't come. We got a problem. He probably got a lot in here today. But anyway, city that did not come to the help of the Lord because God was in a warfare and God needed warriors and not just worshipers. Some of y'all worship is an is almost an intoxication. You need to be detoxed from crazy worship. You got that fleshy worship talking about he ought to be happy. Why? Flesh still thinks, and if it stinks to us and we put fragrance on it, what must it do with him? Amen. Amen. You will treat God good as he is real to you and as bad as he is unreal to you. 
So your question is not whether or not God's going to help you. Your question is, what do I think he is? For example, those of you walking around who said Jesus was, how is he going to be buzzed and he rose? If Satan still lives, you know his maker is. Half of you don't even know Jesus is, is Satan's maker. I know he, he perpetrates down here like he got it going on. No, he doesn't. Remember, we met him in a swamp. And his maker had to come and give him another opportunity to do something. He's on work release. God needs him to get some stuff done. Trust me, he's still a swamp thing. But some of you all don't know that. You live your life as if Jesus can't do anything because you listen to devil doctrine. Doctrines of devil, because they have to say things, and then I got to get scriptural for a bit. So I got to get a little scriptural because they need to get a little tense. Y'all tense yet? <laughs> Doctrines of devils, seducing spirits, and you walk around here with the, an, an, an argumentative spirit. Do you know he said casting down arguments? Things argumentative. You'd be argumentative, too, if you, if you made the greatest bid in your life for power and, and success and dominion, and you're lost. I, I keep saying it because they keep reminding us. They keep trying to tell us Jesus is nobody. I have to tell them, wait a minute, I got the text. I got the original unedited version. They didn't black mine out. See, Satan blacked out a whole lot. Got universities to, to, to kick Jesus out got colleges to kick him out, got schools to kick him out, and then got churches to kick him out. And somehow or another, he believes that works. And he knows it doesn't work, frankly, because he was born in God's world because it was made by Jesus Christ. I like to keep saying that. You know, it's kind of like, you were made by my God. So you were made by Jesus Christ. You're he said, in the day that you were created, Ezekiel 28 says, in the day you were created, you were perfect. And then you came up with your own idea. And the idea was, I could do it too. He could do it, I could do it, we can do it, they can do it. And you found out that God didn't, everything you saw was not all that he knew. I, I kind of think of that when people say, I read all your books, Dr. Price. I know all about you because I read all of your books. And I said, but you don't know what I didn't write. <laughs> So how much about me can you know? I gave you a book. I got a life. Oh, long. Oh, life. So I need you to recognize that how you do Jesus is how Jesus will treat you. But God is good. Yeah, that's why you're still on the planet. That's why you're, not, you're sitting here, you're not homeless. He, got, he gives you a job. God gives you the bare necessity. It's just that heaven is so rich that their, their necessities actually enrich planets. But when you treat them, there are things. What did Jesus say? He said, I got food you don't know about. I was like, I want some of that. <laughs> I got water that you have not living water. Woman, well, give me some of that water. <laughs> I want that living water. So I don't have to come back here to the well anymore. <laughs> I'm just gonna and I'm listen, I'm not gonna bring the city any more water. I'm not bringing my neighbors any more water. I got this living water. I'm drunk it. I don't need it. Y'all work it out for yourself. I'm good forever. 
understand, and, and here's why I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go through this, my title. I have a title for today that you all might like. Love is not number one with God. So what is? <laughs> Love is not number one in God, with God. So what is? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Hey, look at you sounding all evangelical. That's really nice. Okay. How to think prophetically. God's law and government. You see, we don't think like the children of the king. We like, because to us being the children of the king means we get unlimited wealth, we get to plunder the wicked, we get to buy what we want, we get to strut our stuff, we get to defy difficulty, we get to sidestep this one, and we get to pretend to be manifesting God's love. But true children of a powerful parentage don't they don't think like the church. They don't think like the church. They understand that they are meant to, they were born as successors. They were born as heirs. And as heirs, they don't, they're not obsessed with what they have provided their populace, what their family has provided the civilizations or the citizens, they are obsessed with maintaining that what was begun before they got into the planet endured, perpetuates, and continues to prosper. We don't think like Jesus. That's why I love the passage when it says that let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, you have to understand that there is a Christ mind. We don't tap in because we teach it from the pew. From the pew. Not the palace. Not the court. Not the capital. See, we weren't teaching from there. As a matter of fact, all of these powerful people that we have in government go to churches to tell them that there's such a, a divide between what they do every day to keep a nation going and what they do to give God his due. See, people go to church to give God his due or to get their due. I've been good to you, Jesus. Good as I've been to you, Lord. I served you. I, I cried for you. I suffered for you. I mean, after all, I did through four flat tires last year. I mean, I'm telling you, I struggled for you, Jesus. <laughs> You're talking about people swear it's a devil because the light changed before they got through it. This is the fruit of pastoral rearing. That's a devil. I'm late for work because that light could have waited for me. The light should wait for you. You're the only car going through. If you were the only car going through, guess what? There would be no light because there'd be no need for light because you're the only car going through. I mean, after all, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you show up in church looking like Ishtar, wondering why God is not moving for you. God said, I did not make fertility congregations. 
See, those outfits that y'all think of liberty are actually fertility. I love talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your problems. Okay. I like her. She, she was with me. And this is what she's done for 20-some years. I don't care where we are. If we can be in the store, she'll just keep right on it. So you all don't know how God thinks. And you don't know how God thinks because you've been trained by your pastor to be accepted in that church and not trained by those whom God gave his government to, namely apostles and prophets, who have to keep that which is entrusted to him to have something to pass on to the next generation that resembles what came to the planet as the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right. You know, we don't even Ask yourself, many of you, ask yourself, come on, this is, this is a whole test. This is a test. <laughs> ask yourself, when last your pastor taught you about the Holy Spirit beyond the nine gifts of the Spirit, which was erroneous, beyond the indwelling Holy Ghost? Like, what does the Holy Spirit do once he gets in you? What does he do? What is his function? Is he just freeloading? Is he just loitering? Why did God put his spirit in flesh, in humans, who in fact is the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy Ghost, I mean, he's a, he, he's a third member of the Godhead. Okay. So who the first member? Well, God the Father, who's the second member? God the Son, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Breakfast with Jesus. Somebody needs to have a talk show called Breakfast with Jesus. Because this man is amazing in the morning. So, so then who is the Holy Spirit? And, and you can't even say, we used to say Holy Ghost, and then we had to you know, the first crack of the teardown, and he's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, something about how Paul met him and dealt with him wasn't just said it, but we'll just move on. Function. Ask yourself and ask God, and I want you to spend 30 days seeking him to, for him to tell you what is the function of the Holy Spirit in you. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit is Christ in you. We know that the Holy Spirit is God in you. We, but you need to understand in your, in your vessel, in your salvation, that is if you have a Holy Ghost, because if you aren't born again, you are, a, you, you are a, a churchian. You're not a Christian, certainly not a born-again Christian. And then you could be a Christian and not be a child of God. That's how you have all these, you want to know where these people are? I don't know what all these churches that are telling you that same-sex marriage is okay because Christ isn't in them. Because God said, I am the Lord. I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I didn't like it in the ancient world before y'all got electricity and, and Internet, I don't like it now. I like it even less now because it's more of it. <laughs> so we have to help people think how to think prophetically. The one thing
thing you need to know is that the Bible is not the scriptures. See, the Bible is a book that holds or compends the scriptures. But the scriptures are what God said. A lot of people have Bibles, and we got a lot of Bible translations that are unauthorized. They, I mean, when I found out some of these publishers that are born, bought by um, pagans and bought by um, Muslims, you need to go find out who your publisher was purchased by and who, and who got them out of debt and trouble when they got there. Because you might be reading, because we keep saying, well, how can one Bible be so different? Depends on who's paying for the ink and the print. See, Jesus thinks like that. So he can say, this is not me. He said it, Matthew 7. Well, you know, they're going to say, Lord, did we cast out devils in your name? Did we heal the sick? Did we do all this stuff in your name? And Jesus said, appreciate your fruit, but I can't use you. Thank you for the fruit. You realize, I said on, on, on a broadcast that I was on Tuesday night, people don't have to be persuaded to be persuasive. And we think that they are one and the same. People don't have to be persuaded in what they preach and what they teach. They don't have to be. You understand that, right? So it's, all they have to do is be convincing. All they have to do is agree to the paycheck, the payout, the buyout, the buy-in, whatever that might be. And so you look around and wonder how can so-and-so preach a word and knock it down and, and lay you out in what same way in Africa. You know, some of these actors, I mean, they make you, you see them in the street, you want to call them by that film name. You're like, you know, that is, that was, and what did they say? That was a character I was playing. Many of your preachers are characters playing a role. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to get right here. Come on. Hit, hit that liberty bell. Come on. She was like, shouldn't I hit that liberty bell? Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so you, you have to understand, but how do you know that, like, Dr. Price, how can we know the difference? You cannot know the difference without knowing the scriptures. The Holy Ghost back scripture. And if your Bible comes up on a few things that go with what he's saying, he's going to roll with that. Because, you know, God is like, you need faith. If he can move with faith the size of a mustard seed, the grain of a mustard seed. Grain. Now, I don't even understand how you can have grain in your I don't even know. It's like seed dust. I got me some seed dust. <laughs> anyway, so it's, how can it even have dust? Do you know? But he's saying that so God will use what we give him. There are countries where they only have three or four sheets of Scripture. And you know the Lord rocks the planet with them? Certainly upsets their world. So God is able. But if we're talking about maturing, being a part of his peacekeeping force, his recovery team, being a part of his ministry, serve his legislative, you need more. Now, here's what I want you to get. Jesus had 12 apostles, 12. And one was the devil. You know, he always got a devil. He always keeps one as a devil. There will always be a devil in the midst. And he would be usually the only one who knows them unless you're close to him. Like John knew who the devil was. 
because John was his buddy. So he had, so he had twelve apostles. One was a devil, and yet the man who made us understand him the most, outside of the apostle John, in scripture, was not at the table. He was out there killing folks. He was wiping out Christians. Not at the table. All of that he did, his PhD of PhDs, he said, I was, you know, I was a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was top shelf, and he was young. He was young, brilliant, passionate for his religion, passionate about the religion. And God had to take him and turn him into a convert. Many people think that Paul was not an apostle, but Paul was an apostle according to Acts chapter 9, because the, the word for commission, entropy, that he received is the same thing. It's a commission. And he received a commission to kill Christians and stamp out Christianity and thus eliminate Jesus as a competitor or rival of the pantheons of the dead. So it took Paul to go to heaven. The 12 didn't have to go. Heaven had come to them. Took Paul to go to heaven to get the revelation that has us here today, the revelation that we now dislike. We now, oh, that's old. You think paganism is new? Are you kidding? Read the Old Testament. A witch can't tell you nothing that's not in that Old Testament. A sorcerer can't, can't wow you not any more than what's been in that Old Testament. And yet, what did Satan do? Took you out of the Old Testament. Oh, that's the law. Well, baby, right now, law is crushing your butt. We've been crushed by law. Legalism. Law. Religiosity. You, half of you all who, who in, the, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s told us we were legalistic. How are you liking it now? Oh, see, because it's political legalism, you respect it. But it's still crushing you, isn't it? Oh, that's just legalistic. Oh, yeah, where are you now? You cannot go where you want to go. You got a, a, a literally an insane entity. <laughs> insane entity making you walk around with half your face covered. Somebody can commit a crime, and they don't care that you can't describe them. For for something that you sneeze and snot through unless you have other complications. Something we've been sneezing and snotting through for like decades. <laughs> and you are okay. Well, it's the law. But there was a law before that. The law of faith, the law of grace. There's a law that supersedes this, the law of faith, the law of grace. You need to study law in Scripture. I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. Now, look at this. How to think prophetically. Because God is speaking to all of us. He's in his people. Every one of us has the capacity to think prophetically. For what is prophetic thinking? Thinking with God's mind 
will, soul, and emotion. So if you can think what God lives, then you're thinking prophetically. If you can think what God is doing, then you can think prophetically. And so here's the thing. When we think prophetic, we think prophesying. Typically, we think predictive prophecy. We're going to predict the future. You're going to get a car. God's going to give you a husband and all of that. Because, you know, people predicted this entity. But they did not predict his enmity. They didn't. Did anybody predict his enmity? Who predicted that he would shut down businesses and all of the other things that we're living? See, that's the difference. You can go on a prediction. I can tell you tomorrow will be sunny, but can I tell you who's going to die? Can I tell you who's going to get sunburned? Prophets are going to give you the whole thing, all of it. If God doesn't give it all to the, to the messenger or that voice, it is because they're not his active or agential agent prophet. Isn't that good to know? Because when you're an agent, you get, the whole, you get projects. You don't just get prophecy. I just want you to know I could do this. So if you look at the bottom, it says God's law and government. They have to do with his responsibilities, his obligation, his accountabilities, his duties, and his system. And it's the acronym ROADS. So prophecy ROAD is this. And I want you to get it. I want you to get it because you think God is just a father. He's a loving father. Because we always, I mean, to show you how much romance is is wrapped up in there, we can't even speak straight. We can't speak straight. You know, when we start talking about God, it becomes sing-song. It's almost like which is, it's melodious. It's all of those things. Why? Because it's enticing. That's the sign and the sound of beguilement. Sing-song preaching every time. We're going to make it melodious. We're going to make it rhythmic. We're going to make it lyrical. We're going to make it sonic. It's going to why can't we just say Jesus? So if we can't give you power and potency, then we'll give you entertainment. And, and we'll give you seduction. We're going to talk about the beguilement. I studied beguilement because we were talking about it the other Sunday about how the, um, what did it say, how the um, serpent, Beguiled Eve. So I looked that up because I thought, wait a minute, do you know one of the things that it said he did? He caused something that is unattractive to look attractive. So that means he, he worked her mind. Now, don't we see that in Marvel, Marvel Comics and DC Don't we see that in the Avengers? The little red smoke comes from the witch, and all of a sudden you see something else. Beguiling spirit Who has beguiled you Who has bewitched you 
And beguilement comes from bewitching. So I'm saying this because you think you know who God is, and you and God is not your pastor's God. God is himself. And if you're fortunate, you have a pastor or a teacher or a leader who is willing to do what John the Baptist said, decrease so that he can increase. Wow. See, John understood that until Jesus got on his turf. When Jesus got on his territory, all of a sudden John forgot that he had baptized the Messiah. He forgot that he had baptized the, the Lamb of God. It's a bad thing. It's a sad prophet who can't remember their prophecies to act on them and to uh, live with them. And I know a lot of prophets. We have prophets who came through here. Dr. Price, you're going to do great things. Dr. Price, you're the woman of God. Nobody's like you. We got all of that. Next thing you know, that prophet is gone because they can't live with the reality of the prophecy. So you have to be able to live with the reality of your prophecy for God to make you his agent. He can, he can make you a voice box. But to trust you as his agent, you have to be able to live with the prophecies you give because they are not, they are not your private possession. They are literal public disclosures of the secret mind of God. Many of you all are out of your seat because you prophesied something that you couldn't live with when it came to pass, or you couldn't live with the journey. You didn't like the landscape. See, it's the prophecy landscape people fall short on. So you don't like the landscape, you know? We take these long road trips, and you look down there, and some of it is nice and rich and green and verdant, and you like that. And then you got the little stinky ones with the little stinky cows. They all had some bad hay at the same time. You know, it's coming through the car, got a little scuff running down the road and whatnot. See, you don't like the landscape. Little skunk, you know, little skunky. Baby, that don't, mm. And don't let them have gotten hit. Oh, help us, Lord. See, you understand that. And so sometimes your prophecy's got to take a stinky road. Sometimes fulfillment has got to be on the road with men at work. Traffic backed up forever. No way to get off. Okay? Sometimes, you're, and you're looking for a U-term, and the U-term is right outside the place you're supposed to go. You can use U-term right here. And go back through again. <laughs> okay? So you have to understand. That, and, 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 and let me tell you something. I don't acknowledge or respond to a prophet who cannot live the language and the lifestyle of the prophecy. We have people, we have, I mean, we have a person here who was really, I mean, honest. You're going to have a building, Dr. Price, God wants you in a church. You're going to have to be in a big church, blah, blah, blah. And all it took was one flick of the ego That's it. That's and one prick of the arrogance. And here we are, and they're gone. And we think, and they call that word, and even when I didn't believe it. You know, this, this, I, I was like, what are you talking about? Do you understand that we are like trudging through and, you know, but God, 
But see how God watches his word because it's not about the vessel. It's not about the vessel. It's only about the vehicle. God performed that word and let him go right on off, fall off a cliff. Because we think that when we walk away from a destiny, that the destiny is a multi-lane highway. We think that the, our destiny is literally the signpost on every road. We think that there is an exit on every road. But my Bible tells me the gifts and the calling, sing your luck one. Oh, somebody. I got to hit that bell. Come on, somebody. Hit me some bell. I need bell. Bump, 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 bump. I knew that y'all needed some decompression. So. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I'm coming hard here, so I'm going to need some decompression. <laughs> Many of you all are crying. I'm talking to you now from the throne of Christ. I am standing, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm seated on his right hand, and I'm telling you, you're asking God to get, Lord, I, I mean, you, certainly you have more. Uh-uh, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing in Scripture about a second chance God. Not one. And so uh, much of what they were calling their second chance was actually practicum. Are you going to work this bell on a little bit? <laughs> See, you have to decide whether or not the journey that you're on, if it's not training, practicum, or if it's the calling. Because when you read that, it doesn't say callings. We plural it. It doesn't plural No, we did that. It says the gift and calling of God, because calling is ultimate. It is the pinnacle of the reason you were on the planet and lived through what you lived through. Calling. That is why. So you can mess it up and then say, well, I ended up getting through it. Yeah, but the mess up was accounted for as training or trial or testing. Just think of it as an exam. You had a major exam. I had a, a lot of major exams. <laughs> 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 I, I can't think it is all of it. I can't, no. Everything was essay. Why can't oh, every every question was an essay question? Can we just okay? I'm like, where's the check it off box to fill in the blank or something? I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. It was nothing. No, no, no. I always had composition. See, I understand this now. I always had compositional exams. You know what composition means? It comes from the word composer. Compose. Made of. I always had to assemble and build and all of that kind of stuff. And okay, so. Many of you, many of you misjudged your calling for practice and training, and you left the calling because you didn't like the training. And you concluded if he did it once, he can do it again. And you are 100% right. If he did it once, he can do it again with someone else. (laughs) Don't you want to hit the other bell? (laughs) It's actually, we got it. 
Oh, okay. You like that resonate, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's nice, though. <laughs> but bite that. No, 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 no. The Liberty Bell stays there. Yeah, I know, over there. Over there. So you, you blew it. You didn't like the pastor. You didn't like the church. You didn't like the correction. You didn't like the methods. You didn't like the technology. You didn't like the techniques. You didn't like the systems. You didn't like anything that would work would build your calling for God's purposes. You didn't like that. And who, who to tell you who you are? I found out the most belligerent people are the nastiest and sloppiest ones. They don't do anything right. Because if you're that nasty with your training, you are nasty with God. Don't raise the bell when you need it. <laughs> I was like, where's the bell when you need it? Yeah. Yeah, kind of underwhelming over there, isn't it? So because, and you decided how you should be trained to do a calling you did not design. And then you decided the people who should train you because you know best who you get along with. Well, understand ministry is not what, only what you get along with. Ministry is mostly with what you can't stand and what can't stand you. Welcome to Agape Love. Oh my God. The love of God. The love of Christ. So I, I want you to understand that some of you are never getting another chance. First of all, you're too old. And secondly, you're so old that by the time we finish training, you're too old to be raining. <laughs> Because you blew it in your youth, your misspent youth. Some of you all coming up 70 years old talking about, I'm ready, Lord. Jesus is like, for what? I can hear him say, for what? And while he's saying it, you can hear in the background, swing low. <laughs> Sweet child. Coming forth to carry me home. Swing low. I missed it, so I'm going home. That's an apostle's version. (laughs) So you understand that God is not your church God. He's not a pulpit God. He's not a pure God. He's the sovereign of creation. He has a whole planet that he's got to take care of, and that's his light work. Because you see, he has other planets. We got angels that have been around forever. He's got a devil that's been around way too long. And so you have recognize that your little temper tantrum, your little impudence, it's not that big a deal to him. Like, you know, um, the scripture said, but if you're righteous, you're righteous for yourself. You're not doing anything for God by being righteous. God is like, I am righteous. I created you a righteousness, and y'all, y'all invented stuff. Many schemes. So you have it in your mind that if God, if God wants to use you, then he needs to. Are you kidding me? The man is ancient of days. That means a lot of time. Do you realize he has a lot of people he just left behind? 
I mean, we got a lot of left behind before the rapture comes. I want you to think differently. You must think differently if you're going to survive this era in Christ. And you're going to have to think like a grown child and stop thinking like a pubescent, stop thinking like a tweeny and a teeny. If God wants me, I, when people say that, I almost want to walk away So, because I'm thinking a lightning bolt, something's going to happen. <laughs> if God wants you to what, then he, if God, then he, God is like, if you, then I, you got it backwards. I need you to hear me because some of you all are getting ready to jump ship, and I promise you, this ship is the ark. Noah's Ark, not the Ark and the Covenant. We so caught up with the Ark and the Covenant, we forgot the first Ark was Noah's. Eight souls. Whole planet, eight souls. There were more animals that were saved than people. And by the time we got to nine months, they done reproduced like crazy. Because you never think of that. But animals, unless he kept them all separate, which would be kind of crazy. Yeah. But the point that I want you to get is that you cannot pick the day of your death. You know, I like it. There is a, a, a um, I think it's in Psalm, and I keep forgetting, maybe some of you remember, but there's a statement in Psalms that is so scary you, and, and so confusing. And it says, none of you can give God a ransom for your soul. Is that, anybody read that to me? It's in there. And can't give God a ransom for your soul. In other words, you can't buy your soul from God. And you can't get him to sell your soul unless he wants to. And even, it looks like he's selling it on earth, but when we get to heaven, it's still Jesus. It's still Jesus. Yeah, that sounds like it. What does it say? Because that, is, that should guide your life. If you can't buy your soul, you can't buy your soul from Satan, and you can't buy your soul from God. What you got? I think this is King James Version says, uh, Psalm 49, 7, none of them by any, can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. Now, and other translations say you can't buy your soul. So it doesn't matter. If, you, if, if the brother's trying to buy your soul and you're trying to buy your brother's soul, it still has an end result. So you cannot, because in the God realm, and that's what I want to do, I'm making this the year that I can really hone in on the God realm and the consciousness of divine beings. Because if we are offspring of the Godhead, and if as he is, so are we in this world, then we need to get the consciousness of the God realm because, see, we've had the consciousness of peasants and not sovereign. That's why we're so petty. We're petty. That's why we're so petty. We're petty about everything. Look up petty. As a matter of fact, our rules are based on pet peeves. Oh, come on. My God. But if you're going, when we say have the mind of Christ, we're not talking about having the mind of Christ as we would have it if we were Christ. 
We have to have an empathetic mind, empathic mind of Christ. Study empath. We, we right. We don't even sympathize with the man, let alone empathize. We're getting there. This is important. About I want to say maybe five or six years ago, when God began to revive and resurrect his body, this is what he gave me. He gave me a vision. And in the vision, he was very puny. It was Jesus. And I've never seen him that puny before. But he was very puny. He was laying face down in the dirt and people just walking over his back. And he said, they're trampling underfoot the Son of God. We want a revival with a God that we have trampled on and, and put face down and, and, what he say, and humiliated him in the dirt. And yet, I want him to revive. Why? Do you realize God is a negotiator? We're going to have to find a way as the collective called the Ecclesia to negotiate for God to move on our behalf. Right now, we still like moving independent. We still like moving in our pockets of this and our denominations and divisions. And, and don't forget, we want, and, and the, secular, the secular saints don't want a revival at all. Because who in the world wants God to revive something that you defected from? Kind of crazy. So the prophet stands on God's mountaintop. See, isn't that wonderful? And the whole purpose of today is of critical thinking for technical judgment. Critical thinking for technical judgment. So where are we going? Figuring out God in the 21st century. Can we figure him out? They had him kind of worked out between the 16th and the, the 19th century, 20th century top. Uh, don't know about the rest. But let's look at God's academics. The first thing we need to understand is how God thinks. Things you should know about God and his eternal world. And you might say, I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm not an academician. Yes, if you, if you believe in logic, you're an academic. If you believe in emotions, then you're a sentimentalist. And if you think they should be separate, then you have a choice to make. So when we talk rhema, we talk mostly discourse, coming what comes out of the human psyche. We talk logos, we talk the man, Christ Jesus. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth, because what the law came by Moses, Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the law is for the fallen. And grace and truth are for the redeemed. Number one, God is judge. Number two, God's world oversees, overrides, and overrules this one. Number three, God is ruthless about his righteousness. I'm going to stop there for a minute because we don't think he's a loving God. He's a loving father. Would you send your father to hell? Probably about as, um, your child to hell probably about as much as you send your child to his home. Punishment's a punishment. Place is place. 
when you're God, you don't want it back because he chastens us here. All of this is part of the chastening rod. God thinks life is more important than politics, so aborted babies rank higher than taxes, government, and citizen handouts. What you do here follows you there. Voting for the death of his seed and future populations um, is and will go with you into eternity. Paul says that when we die, our works follow. Now, you have to think about this because we've talked this over a little bit in the past. You have to think about this from the perspective of people saying, well, I just don't believe the Bible. Okay, who is this? I appreciate you. Ale. Uh, okay, but, but, but understand that Paul said our works follow us. So even if people don't agree, I, you know, when people say, I don't believe the Bible, you know why I don't respect that? Because you die just like they said people will do in the Bible. Yeah. You don't prolong your life. You get old just like they say they will do in the Bible. You get sick. just like So everything the Bible tells us, will happen to humanity is happening, and we can't change that. We have, I mean, they're spending billions of dollars trying to eliminate death, eradicate disease, and you know what they get? New diseases. This man is so, so swift, his codes will, will morph into whatever will obey his command. Only the Lord's adversaries murder his fruit. Voting for humanity against the Almighty rejects him and releases his judgment. God's judgment, I want you to think about this because I keep talking about it, but I'm going to say it again because, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Y'all still in love with me? Because y'all, some of y'all are like, oh, God, who am I? Who am I? But listen. When God, we went over this last week, and if you didn't get an opportunity to listen to last week's Jesus and Paul, go back and listen, because then towards the end, we talked about this. God did not kill Adam. Not directly. God let death become Adam's physiology. Mm -hmm. See, because the serpent that Satan was using and that was Satan himself, Revelation 12 called him that old serpent. So the serpent was dead. He was a dead spirit. So when people ask where does death come from, it came from that serpent. God didn't kill Adam. He said, in the day that you eat thereof, I will slaughter you and send you back to grave. Is that what it says? It said, in the day that you eat thereof, you will die. God didn't have to kill Adam because he had already killed the serpent that tricked him. So the serpent knew that in order for him to reproduce himself, he needed a living vessel made by his maker. God didn't say that, he didn't just say, hey, Eve, I'm going to multiply. He let him know, no, because of this thing called the, the serpent, and you ate from the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I told you not to eat from, everything, every curse that's on this serpent is now yours. Every curse. Everything. So when God had this, whatever this, this um, 
this, uh, what do you call it, this hearing or proceeding that God had in heaven that judged that serpent after his revolution and then banished him from his world, whatever that was, whatever those judgments were, which is what Scripture tries to tell us what they were, all of that he put on that serpent. All of that he put on the dragon. All of that he put on the devil. So he does not have to worry about mediating or adjudicating our sin. He just lets Satan do it because he's the carrier of judgments of doom. He's this administrator. He's the executor. He's the prosecutor. He can't fix himself, but he can sure be very good at reproducing himself so he's not populist or subject in hell. So when you think about it, so when God warns you about the devil, he, he, he told us all of these things, and he told us how he did it, but he also said that he was impressive because he told us to be wise as he was. So he, he was quite impressive. And because he was impressive, I just need you to hear me, because he was impressive, God warned us against the entity, not just the effect. You can't have an effect without an entity in this creation. There has to be a being in order for there to be an expectation, a result, an action, a consequence. See, we don't think like God. That's why Jesus could say to to Satan in his test, get thee behind me. He could say, Thou savest not the things of God. Why? He doesn't talk to the effect. He doesn't speak to the temptation as if it's a mechanical thing. Man, I wish I could get this across. Hit it. Do you all hear what I'm saying? We want to, we want to work on the mechanics and the techniques. We're going to get techniques to handle the mechanics. This is not a mechanical world. It's a biological one. We need mechanics because we don't have living elements. We need the mechanism. So he wasn't dealing with the mechanism called to the death from the ground he would take. He was dealing with the reason that he could not keep Adam alive or treat him as a living being because he has a whole other world and world system and legal system for the dead. So remember how to think prophetically. So let's think about how to think prophetically. How, what does that mean? And, and where do we get it from? Prophets as God's divine communicators are wordologists. In the beginning was the word. Jesus came not only as Messiah, not only as the son of David, not only as the son of Abraham. He came as a prophet. He left as an apostle, but he came as a prophet. So the first thing we need to recognize is the Bible was given to prophets and apostles. Luke 24, 44. See, I, thought, I used to try to say, well, okay, I keep saying it. Now, now I realize I've got to keep saying it. Luke 24, 44 has Jesus canonizing his scriptures. Mm-hmm. He canonized them. And he said, 
all of the scriptures were concerning him. Him as what? The Savior, him as the creator, him as the sovereign, him as the prophet, as the Lord. Him as the living word. So he said, I, right now he began to talk to them. People will never come alive to God until they have them, their own experience and journey through scripture. You can't. Because the Holy Ghost doesn't have to honor all of that. See, the Holy Ghost doesn't care about your theology degree. He doesn't care about that. The Holy Ghost doesn't care about any of those things that literally we lay claim to. The Holy Spirit has got to testify of Jesus. That's it. If you're not talking Jesus, he's like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just here. I'm here. But so Luke 24, 44 says what? Does anybody remember? I don't know. See, that's why I have to keep saying scriptures. Because some people, amen. Luke 24, 44, let's go there. And he said unto them, these are the words, the words, these wordologists, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written. What does it say? In the law of Moses, and what else? And if you want to know what the Bible is, the Bible is about Jesus. The Bible is Jesus, and Jesus is the Bible or the Scripture. So you can have, you can call things Bible all day long, but to call them Scripture is to call them Jesus. And the Bible said. And, and then it said, then, listen to this, then, I come on, Shambhosa, I'm getting, hit that bell, girl, hit something, thank you, Whew. like, hit something, please, help me, I need it, <laughs> you're gone, <laughs> I don't learn you, all right, and he, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things, every apostle needs to know this, every prophet needs to know this, because this is an anchor. There are anchor verses. This is an anchor verse. It said, the other one is Acts 26, 18. He said that, I love this, that all things, all, all means all, all is the biggest small word in the English language. That all things must be, didn't say has to, should, it said must be fulfilled, uh, which were written. Remember, y'all go to the church that says that the law is obsolete. You understand that your church is obsolete? (laughs) The law of Moses doesn't count. Law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So you want, you call to the prophetic, you better know those prophets. You're called to the prophetic, you better know the law of Moses because Moses came as a prophet. You call to the prophetic, then you better know those songs because David and all of those who extended his writings were prophets. You know, we have this kind of debate that, well, this was Asaph and this was so-and-so and these were David, but now the songs of David are gone. Are you kidding me? When I'm dead, all these women who have been with me, all these people who have been with me, they're going to still write what I said? Now, we'll give them their name, but they're going to know where they got it from. And it's going to be consistent with everything that I ever wrote. 
But again, if you are not reading the living word, you cannot give a living revelation. Isn't the truth? Dead word, dead work, dead word, dead word, dead work. Then open he their understanding. Look at this. This is see. You got to get your box. When I was on the broadcast, I think I was on recently. Anyway, I was on a broadcast. They said, "Well, what is it that people can do to start get back with God? Get this little talking Bible." I like the little talking Bible, and I told them, "Get the silver one. Don't get the." Red one, because the silver one, you can kind of navigate a little bit. That talking, you already have one. I thought you have one. But get a talking Bible. Why? You can play that thing around the clock. You all know it. Play it in the car. Play, And you can play one book till you know it by heart. And then you can play the next book till you know it by heart. You can play one chapter till you know it by heart. Because until you, un- until you know the scripture, nothing about Christianity speaks to you. And so who opened their understanding? The resurrected Jesus. Now, he didn't open anybody's understanding when he was there except the 12 he was teaching. But now he said, I can open your understanding that you might understand the scriptures. Now, listen to this, because this is important. And said unto them, this is written, and thus it behooves Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that, this is the part where people miss getting saved, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, all humans. Is that what it says? Nation, which means all humans, but nation. Jesus, apostles and prophets are about nations. Nations. Pastors are about congregation. And the fact that they extended themselves into nation is what causes these problems. It said, and I like it, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And, you know, we've been doing in the Dunamite classes, we walk through and do. Those of you who are watching me on social media, do a, not just a dictionary search, not just a concordance search, but do a thesaurus search on the word endued. Because you'll understand we have misappropriated it or we've neutralized it or nullified it. Well, it's time to fact check. Remember we said in the beginning that God, that love is not God's number one. Love is a tool that's now being used to club Christians to death or at least into, you know, brain damage. (laughs) Brain dead. Can't even think. You know, and you got all of these people who who cannot tell you what love is. Why do we have so many songs about what is love if people know what it is? I don't know what love is. Someone tell me what it is. I don't know what love is. All I know is that I seek it. (laughs) And I seek it with you in the middle of the night when we are two and connected. 
They don't know what love is. How you going to talk to me about love when you, you think it's all about mushing your body with people you don't know? So, so is love God's most, I was being nice. I was being nice. See, when I'm nice, you all still pick at me. I don't care which way I do it. Wasn't that nice? <laughs> is love God's most important and highest command attribute, emotion, or state of being? That is the question. Here is the question. Is love God's most important and highest command attribute, emotion, or state of being? Well, let's find out. So here, we're getting ready to balance myths with facts. Isn't that wonderful? And why are we doing it? Ah, to get at the truth. So we are now on the pavement pathway of truth. Aha, evidence. We have to have evidence. We have to have evidence that says that truth, that I'm sorry, that love is God's highest attribute, emotion, or state of being. God is love. That is true. And I am black. And that is true. And I am a female. And that is true. But none of that is all that I am. That is not the sum of the woman called Paula A. Price. So we need to find out what is the sum of God. You're going to appreciate this. So how are we going to do this? We're going to look for clues. There are clues that tell us whether or not the question is right or wrong. For example, here's our first one. We see thou shalt love the Lord thy God. But how many times is love mentioned in Scripture? Anybody want to take a guess? A hundred. A hundred. Anybody else? Seventy-five. Anyone else? One more. Okay. Well, more than that, more than that, the answer is the word 480 times. Isn't that a lot? You almost think that's it. Like, that's jackpot, right? Let's see. The word love is mentioned in Scripture. uh, Excuse me, what word is mentioned in Scripture less than love? Believe it or not, truth. Truth is mentioned a hundred times less, a little under so 380 times is truth mentioned. So that should settle the argument, shouldn't it? Probably not. Good answer. Good answer. So the question now becomes, the word, what words does Scripture mention more than love and truth? Here's where we get into the meat of it. Anybody want to hazard a guess? Righteousness. Righteousness. Anybody else? Holy. Anybody else? 
Let's see. You guys are doing well. The words mentioned in Scripture, more than love and truth, are, are you ready? Law, lawful and lawyer, holy and holiness, righteous, righteousness, upright, rightly, and right. At the end, we're going to find out what the winner is. Say it again. Yeah, you were thinking, right? A few a frequent word mentions breakdown. Can you all see that? I'm sorry that I didn't make it darker for you. Law, huh? Law and lawful and lawfully and lawyer. Law is addressed 567 times in Scripture, more than love. Holy and holiness, this is the King James Version, 654 plus times. But the winner is righteousness. 978 times is righteous addressed in Scripture. Almost a thousand times. More than twice love. And yet the propaganda is God is love. God is love. Isn't that something? The propaganda is that God is love. So if that's the case, why are we not saying God is righteous? God is a righteous God. Why aren't we saying it? Because that will pull people out of sentimentality and emotionality upon which the doctrines of devils and seducing spirits rest their hold on humanity. So as long as we say love, then we can, we can call it romance. We can actually write out adultery like we did. We, write, we, we reworded it as affair. We can write out fornication, and we reworded it as relationship. See how we did that? We can write out all of the other things, lust, and, 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 and definitely homosexuality is riding on the love of God. But what God? And Christians are so asleep, they don't ask what God. Because when they tell me, I say, well, which one would that be? Because the one I'm talking about has 978 ways to please him, <laughs> to live like him, to be like him. And so I ask them, because you should ask. So if you look up all of the love deities, you will look up and you'll see fertility deities. Oh. Now, fertility deities are those that require sex as ritual acts to win the favor of a divine being or a fallen angel. So when you have, like if your church celebrates Valentine's Day, that is because it's a fertility church. (laughs) Well, once a year, Jesus goes in the bottom drawer and Cupid takes the stage. (laughs) Or Diana takes the stage. Or Dionysus. Or Apollo. We can go on. You know, Baal. Baal is Baal means husband. And he comes down the line to these modern Greco-Roman deities. Does this help you? So when you go and they say, well, our, our church is celebrating Valentine's Day, you need to know that that pastor cut a covenant with Cupid or that leader. And Cupid, now look at it. You can tell it's wrong. Cupid, little old naked baby. I mean, Satan can't even put some clothes on a kid. 
Could you dress your chair? When you get with Satan, you, the first thing he wants you to do is take off your clothes. Why? Because he has no covering. <laughs> he has no, I don't know. He has no covering because God stripped him. Adam and Eve did not need a covering until the glory departed. After that, God had to make them some clothes. And they didn't even know how to make clothes because they didn't know how to kill. <laughs> you like that, don't you? See, they didn't know how to kill an animal and tan them. That was wisdom that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil didn't give them. Because he needs to make it. Satan needs people naked because your pores allow spirits to come in and out. A few other words important to the count are faith and blood. Hold on. Faith is mentioned in Scripture 337 times. And blood is mentioned, how important blood is, 453 times in this particular count. So love is not God's first. Now, it may be the greatest of these. See, we read it and we base it on the greatest of these is. But if the greatest of these, does anybody know what these is that was being compared? The greatest contrast? What was it? Gifts. The greatest gift we can give anybody is love. Because it's compared, in that First Corinthians 13, it's saying that. If I prophesy, if I sing, if I do all of these things, I am nothing. If I don't have love, the contrast is that. So clearly, that was an issue in terms of, in other words, we want to, we want to use things in place of loving each other. But my biggest answer, and will always be from the prophet, the prophet Jesus, I'm going to call him Prophet Jesus, Lord Prophet Jesus, Prophet Jesus, Lord, because we don't say Prophet Jesus, do we? But he, he, his function was to be the prophet that Moses pro- prophesied or predicted would come that would have something about him that would make people's ears open and listeners want to hear. That's what he tells us in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord will raise up from among you a prophet like me. Now, Moses, there was no other prophet because the scripture said that Moses would be, listen to this, Moses died and was buried, and the Bible says God never made another prophet like Moses. Moses, see, if you are really a prophet, you have to make provisions for God's past, present, and future. So the future was God was going to have a prophet because he starts everything with a prophet. He was going to raise up a prophet that is like Moses but better because people will hear him. You don't find out until you get to Hebrews 3 that Moses was faithful in all God's house, but Jesus comes as the owner of the house. And the house is not buildings, it's people, because creation is biologic. So here we are, Jesus comes, and, and, and he's, he's the prophet that people want 
to hear. Because he starts, I'm telling you, I don't care if you know the prophet, I don't care if the prophet that God uses to kickstart anything doesn't know they're a prophet. They find out with that. That was me. I was like, huh? You know, I wrote a book. I wrote a 398-page book, and one of the prophets who read it, and then after it was over, I asked her, I said, so what is a prophet? She said, read your book. <laughs> Why? Because you can, that mantle can be used, that spirit can be used before the psyche or the consciousness gets the news. Because that's where obedience is. You're just led by the spirit, and you're obedient. So when we look at this, faith, is next, and then blood. Blood is very important. And right now, you know, when I, I'm going to get into some future teachings on how the blood works. But here's a question. Why is the count important? Why is it important? I mean, what's the big deal? Love, holiness. Well, it's a very big deal when, you, when somebody comes to you and they want to compel you to do something that is not right or not in your best interest, and they use love as a negotiating bargaining chip. And you're like, uh, that's good, I love you, and no, I'm not going to give you my money. So, so the big is- issue is us separating perception from reality. So the perception is, Unloving Christian. The the perception is if you are a a telling Christian, then you're unloving. Why? Because love is now the thing that they're using. It's the newest gag. So the gag is that if you can't speak the truth in love as defined by the hearer. Right. That's it. Right. The hearer tells you you're not loving. Well, I could say you're thin. Can't you, I can tell you, you're thin-skinned. Yeah, well, you're just thin-skinned. You just said, oh, you just hate the truth, or you just can't face yourself, and you can't own yourself, blah, blah, blah. See, even the secular world wants you to own yourself as long as it's not Jesus. Uh-huh. So here we are. We're coming to the end of it. We, I presented you with the facts. This is the fact. We have got to defend the truth. And so we have just finished myth-busting. So why, why did we myth-bust? Here's why. This is so important. Believe that God's love is the most important and numerous emotion and state of being, forget that, in Scripture. We have been taught that Christians won't fight back, Christians won't push back, Christians won't get in government, Christians won't go to war, Christians won't fight a war, Christians won't take care of God's business. Why? Because Satan has defined love according to cowardice and pacifism. Cupid is about sex, not about all of the other things agape is about, which is agape love. So we don't. So when they start asking, I said, "Are we talking about what? I need to know what we're talking about. Sexual love, carnal love. Perceive the same thing with judging. People are like, don't judge me. You know, when you know me and judging, that's one of my big. Hold on, judging has how many synonyms? 
Am I assessing you? Am I evaluating you? Am I appraising? Am I inspecting? Am I examining? Am I exploring? Am I probing? Am I criticizing? Am I condemning? What am I? What are we calling judgment? Because you just made a statement that was emphatically judgmental. Am I accusing? So you chose the accusative of judgment. So now where do I go with that? But we won't do that as Christians because we're walking in love because we have now made cowardice synonymous with love, the love of God. And now, last one. Guess what? Mystery solved. The question is answered. You now have tools, information, technique to say, God is love, but I can't love you more than I love my God because the scripture says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So if you can love God correctly, then you'll love your neighbor honestly. And so when they say that, I say, well, where do you get that from? And then here's the funny thing. I don't believe in the Bible, but you do realize that that was our Bible, that Love Thy Neighbor came out. It didn't come out of any other sacred text. It came out of ours because the other sacred texts translate love as sexual. You think about it. Sexual love. Oh, come on here. A woman. Here I am. I have been a virgin all my life. I'm going to heaven to be some Muslim man's virgin. Come on, somebody. Where is that Jesus? Oh, if you kill yourself, you can be get Tiffany Virgin. Okay, so I, I, I didn't get any on earth. I'm not getting none of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get a husband on earth. I don't get a husband. In, okay, now he doesn't walk around. It. You do understand everything Satan does is about hating women, destroying women, destroying kids because they're the weakest. And he himself invented survival of the fittest. Well, I hope this was a blessing. Was it a blessing? Hallelujah. It's important that you understand and that you recognize we have a duty to this man. We want God to come and do the work. You know, God is talking, but we don't have ears to hear. And, and, And we have to have organic ears for his inorganic voice. We have to have organic eyes for his inorganic vision. So God never shuts up, when he, especially when he hot. And when he hot, how many of y'all know God? Is God waking up all the rest of us at night? The man is like, I said, you sure have a lot on your mind. And I was like, mm-mm. You get, he lets you, if he lets you get a good 90 minutes, okay, maybe two hours. I don't know. How about you, Prophet Angela? How much? Maybe an hour and a half? Four. Four? Oh, you get four. Oh, oh you slumbering, girl. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, we didn't give you four? Oh, my goodness. Anybody else? You get two and a half, three? Oh, my goodness. Y- y'all resting. Oh, you got nothing to complain about. But he has a lot on his mind. 
and he's priming his prophets, his apostles, and his seed, his offspring, for what he's about to do, to handle the flood, the outgrowth of the correction that he has just released in the planet. So we want God to fix it, but we don't want God to send somebody, Lord, send, um, you know, send somebody else. I, we need an Isaiah mind. Here I am, send me. Like, I'm not going, Jesus, because I got kids. I'm not going because I got my job. I'm not going because I got. But I want you to know, in a minute, it will not matter. Hallelujah. I hope you enjoyed us today. You can uh, go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com. Find a whole lot of good stuff. Make sure you share this with your friends over and over again and tell your friends to share it because God is about to move and you need to be aware of what that's going to look like and what it's going to involve as it engages you because it's going to happen. What God does is going to happen to you or through you, going to happen, and neither you nor I can stop it. And make sure you sow a seed because, truthfully, I like this part. Gentiles, if you receive spiritual, you're supposed to do something important, like reciprocate, sow back materially to me. And Rachel, I'm sure, has your cat chap up there. You know, we call Rachel names so much, people start writing me about Rachel. It's, 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 you're, it's, no, is Rachel on? Is Rachel on? <laughs> Then they say that Tuesday. Is Rachel on? Did Rachel put that up? I was like, <laughs> nobody knows who Rachel is. But they all know who Rachel is. But make sure you sow a seed because when, when you get a word from God's messenger, apostle, or prophet, and we give you a yoke-breaking, captivity-liberating word, you, the first thing you need to do with your freedom is give a thank offer. Sometimes we have talked you out of it. Well, you can't buy the word. You can't buy the word, but you certainly can encourage me for studying and researching enough to break the yokes on your life. That is true. And I don't give you hype. You notice you all don't get hype. I don't give you hype. I don't give you, you know, my favorite pet, whatever. There are a lot of things in here. You know, me and brother, brother Zeke still trying to come work it out. But what I want you to know is that I can't take this to the nations without you. I am trying so hard to get a broader audience, a larger audience, and I can't do that without you. We now have an opportunity. We have people who want to build me a special set, a set that's specific to me. I need you to do that. I can't do it. I need to get on more networks. I need you to do that. So I have broken the seal for you, and I know I've broken the seal for a lot of people over the years, but right now we need you to sow seed. So it's our cash app, and not if you sow seed for your children's future, sow seed, because sometimes when you sow what God is doing, then you're also going to get the boomerang effect, the reverberating effect where that harvest that I get will, will reverberate back to you. Love you dearly. Don't forget, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, Sunday school with Prophet Angela Powers. Powers. So we get powered by the power. So you're going to get a power power. And then uh, 11, uh, not 11, 10 o'clock at the embassy in Tulsa. If you're in Tulsa, we're on 31st Street, 7100. Then we're, I'm there at 10 o'clock, and, well, I'm going to give you whatever, whatever I get. So you know how that goes. Make sure you join us. But until then, have a great, great weekend. And don't forget, think powerfully, brother. Think differently.
so you can live powerfully. Because I'm living powerfully because God changed my thoughts. God bless you. Have a great week. Let you find being you with your soul suck. Love that man. That sugar honey man called Jesus. Well, that sounds good. Whose music is that? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, when did I get that? Okay. So I, know, I knew it wasn't like something I remembered. Oh, loop de loop. Yeah, subscribe to all, yeah, subscribe to everything. Thank you. Y'all still right? We all right? We're done. 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 We're done.